Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us MileHighSports.com. You can listen 98.1 FM, 107.5 HD3. Reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have nearly 155 star reviews? No one has better service and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. All right, let's go out to the hotline. I'm going to bring in a longtime friend, Benjamin Hockman. You remember him as a columnist from the Denver Post. Now he is doing the same thing in his hometown for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in St. Louis. How are you, Benji? Hey, what's up, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. So were you thinking, hey, you know what? I would not mind the NHL canceling tonight's game as I've lived here for so many years. I could get a free night with my friends again. I know. I, uh, I, I would have enjoyed it. Luckily, I was able to get out last night and, and see some old faces from around town and have a few IPAs. Uh, you were at the pregame skate today. How big of a scare was this that they might actually oh postpone the game? Yeah, well, I don't know if it, the scare was necessarily that they would postpone it. The scare was that they would play it but not be able to have their starting goalie, Jordan Bennington, uh, one of the top players, Jaden Schwartz, also Vladimir Tarasenko, and maybe even Marco Scandella. And we know that the Blues' top point guy, David Perron, is already out uh, on the COVID list already. So there was a lot of uh, weirdness going on over there at Ball Arena, uh, a lot of question marks, but... Uh, Thankfully, for the Blues' sake, uh, some answers were finally given this afternoon. At the risk of getting philosophical with you and borderline political, mm. there was a report from Adrian Dater on Twitter that there was a report that eight Blues players chose not to get the vaccine. Mm. If that indeed was the case, and a bunch of guys came down with COVID, specifically the guys who did not take the vaccine per that report, even if the Blues were tremendously shorthanded, should the league have forced the Blues to play? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question. I do know that Jim Thomas from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch reported earlier in the year that the vast, it was the quote, was the vast majority of Blues players had been vaccinated. So I don't know, I don't have numbers, though. Uh, but man, yeah, that, that, that's definitely a great question. And moreover, uh, another thing to look at is one of the players... So the Blues still have three players on the COVID list, Nathan Walker, David Perron, and Jake Wallman. And Jake Wallman was vaccinated, and he still uh, is on the COVID-19 protocol list and unable to play. So that's, a, that's another curveball, this whole thing. We saw that with the uh, New York Yankees as well. Now, you wrote a column in the Post-Dispatch, and the, he- the headline reads simply, Physical Education, the Blues Learned Lessons About Aggressiveness in the Game 1 Loss. So kind of... Uh, Take us through what you saw from the Blues for Avs fans who maybe haven't watched the Blues as often as you have. What you saw from them in game one that, in terms of aggression, maybe was a disappointment. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing to bring up as we head into this game, this very important game. Uh, the Blues sometimes make mistakes with their aggressiveness and, and just hit to hit. 
And uh, as, as we know, uh, there's a strategy to, to trying to make a body check, or there's a strategy to pressure in the four check. And the Blues were not doing that effectively in game one. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was at least three, four instances where an Avalanche player was hit from by two Blues players at the same time. And while like the casual fan might be like, all right, we got him twice, like, got him from both angles. Really what happened was there was a miscommunication uh, because only one guy was supposed to go at that person. So that led to some transition, as fans of the Avalanche know, like transition is where the Avalanche thrives. Um, and, and, of course, it cost the Blues. They lost game one. Wasn't it, though, the, the, the Blues' M.O. pretty much throughout the regular season that they took a lot of penalties? I think in eight games they took 40 penalties. So really, when you look at the box score and you look at the way the game was played, I don't think they really did anything out of the ordinary that they didn't do in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, they, they want to be disciplined. I mean, their coach preaches discipline. Funny enough, one of the guys uh, that, that kind of makes some dumb penalties over the years or has that reputation is David Perron, who, who, who was, of course, unavailable in the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Blues know that the Avalanche power play is sensational. And, yeah, the, 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 the uh, Justin Falk penalty, the, the coach called that one weak. Um, the other one, though, with a, when, when O'Reilly tripped McKinnon, I mean, that that was a mistake, and O'Reilly, for, for however great he was in the regular season and he's the team's captain, he made a couple uh, mental errors in that game, and, and that helped, helped Avalanche win. Why were, why were the Blues this year? Why it, they Obviously, they made the playoffs, but it seemed like at times they were kind of stuck in neutral. Why do you think they kind of just were barely able to squeak into the playoffs as that last seed in the division? Well, this is such, what I'm going to say is cliche, and what I'm going to say sounds like an excuse, but they had many, many injuries. And there's that website that, that tracks man game loss, mm-hmm. man games lost, and o- only the Chicago Blackhawks had more uh, man games lost than the St. Louis Blues this year. Um, and so that's, that's a thing, right? And, um, but, yeah, I mean, another aspect to it uh, was, was just the fact that they're playing the same teams over and over. And it was just kind of weird, right? I mean, the, they, they played, I believe, the, the, the Arizona team – seven games in a row or something ridiculous like that. Uh, so it was just a weird year overall. And the, the, the optimism in St. Louis was that the Blues were playing really well heading into the playoffs. 8-3-1, uh, eight, eight, and one, I believe, was their record. And, and Bennington was hot heading into the game. And uh, But we saw in the game, Bennington remained pretty hot, but the, uh, the team wasn't so hot. We are talking with Benjamin Hockman. You remember him from the Denver Post, now as a columnist in his hometown with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I know they don't have to drink the blue Kool-Aid being a columnist, but when Braden Shen took that cheap shot on uh, Miko Rantanen, and then here comes uh, the captain, uh, Gabriel Landeskog, and oh, by the way, he really could have finished off Shen. He was holding up his hand, and he could have one-punched him. And I think a lot of Avs fans are hoping that's exactly what he would have done, but he didn't. With that, that did change the momentum of the game. I don't think any reasonable person would argue that. But do you think that moment might translate into the rest of this series where the Avs are basically staring at the Blues and saying, if you come at us and punch us, we will counter back? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a mentality that the Avalanche have. I, I think if, if we were to measure, I mean, obviously we can't, but if we were to measure confidence, the Avalanche confidence must be through the Pepsi Center roof or the Ball Arena roof, whatever it's called these days. Well, it was Pepsi I mean, Center when you were here, so you can call it Pepsi Center if you want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm a Colorado fan, I'm, I'm really excited heading into tonight. Uh, the Blues are kind of against the ropes already. They're without Perron. Uh, they had this weird day. 
Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, we, we, we can't really, again, calculate the, uh, the in, intangibles, but like Jordan Bennington, the goalie, is a creature of habit. Uh, goalies are, are, are weird, eccentric dudes, and, and they, they, they have routines, and he goes to morning skate every day since he was a little kid or whatever, going to morning skate before a game. And today he didn't have one. So I'm curious to see uh, if how he'll play, or maybe, who knows, maybe the Blues win and they say they're fueled by by all this, all the stuff today with the uh, with the COVID test. Of course, you also do a lot of writing about the the Cardinals, and uh, you know there's obviously some local interest in Nolan Arenado out there. So, having worked here in Denver, but also having grown up in and cover in St. Louis and covered the Cardinals, sort of, what is the difference in terms of how Arenado is embraced in St. Louis compared to what was the case here in Denver? Yeah, I mean, I, I think. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to sell the fans of Denver short. I mean, he was beloved here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there, there, are, there are a lot of Rocky fans, and that's the thing I always try to tell people when I when I travel the country is, you know, some people give Rocky fans a bad name. Just oh, they just go to drink and enjoy the views, and, and they're not really paying attention. There are a lot of diehard Rockies fans who can recite stats uh, from from everywhere and, and and care about every pitcher and every pitch, um, and and those fans love. Nolan Arenado. So, yeah, I, I, I felt bad. I felt bad that it, that it happened that way um, because when you, when you sign a guy like that, like the way they did, I mean, he was supposed to be, he, was, he would have been the statue. They would have, they would have changed that face on that statue maybe and put, put Arenado on there 10 years from now. But, yeah, St. Louis, of course, I mean, there's no, no question about it. It's a very good baseball town, a knowledgeable baseball town. It almost gets knocked sometimes for how – ridiculously over top of a baseball town it is you know applauding for the other team when they make a nice play uh cheering for the pitcher really loudly when he when he comes out or comes to bat late in the game things like that and yeah arnado's a huge great fit in st louis there's no question about it benji i don't know how much you and i have in common on every level but we do have one thing in common we both are very much into books you write them and i color them and you just (laughs) finished a book Called the 2000, uh, called 11 and 11. It's about the 2011 Cardinals. Now, uh, you have a really good chance to sell your book at this moment because our producer, Danny, and specifically our other producer, Nolan, and his name isn't Nolan, by the way, but that's what we call him because he loves Nolan Arenado with the Cardinals because he's such a Cardinals fan. So we just oh, call wow. him. We just call him Nolan around here. So you have a chance to literally sell your book to two guys who are listening because they were excited for you to come on the show, hear about this book. And as a hometown kid, how much fun was it to write this? Yeah, Eric, I really appreciate this. I mean, it's, it was pretty much the neatest project of my career, getting to write the book 10 years later about the 2011 St. Louis Cardinals. And, for those listening that don't know much about the team, they were ten and a half games back on August 25th. The season was over. Uh, another another season of lost expectations, and they just found their groove. And on the last day of the season, they made it in. They made it all the way to the World Series. But then they're down to their final strike. And David Freeze, the hometown kid from St. Louis, gets a triple, keeps the game alive, and hits a walk off home run in the 11th inning. It was I was at that game, and it was the coolest sporting event. Uh, I'd ever been to, and not, not to knock some of these great Broncos and Nuggets games I, I, I covered and was at here in Denver, but there's something about a World Series game like that. And I was able to, for the book, 11-11, find some untold stories and, and uh, interview some of the players, the fans. I'm really, really proud of the book, and uh, you can find it online at 11-11books. 
11 11 I, I know this is a Denver audience, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to do a hard sell right now on Danny and Nolan. Give them a story to wet their beak so they buy the book. Oh, that's, that's, I like that. One, one of my favorite stories uh, is about the magic fruit snacks. So Adam Wainwright, the Whoa. cardinal picker. Magic. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, is that what I'm thinking I'm thinking? No, no, not Colorado Magic Fruit Snacks. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right. St. Louis Magic Fruit Snacks. Okay. That that story, really, that that would have been really nice if they had had some of the Colorado ones. Right. But, yeah, so the Cardinals are in the playoffs in Philadelphia, and things are not going well. And uh, Adam Wainwright is in the clubhouse. He's not playing. He turns to Kyle McClellan, the pitcher, and says, hey, man, eat some of these. We need some runs. He's like, what? He says, just eat them. He tosses them some, some fruit snacks. You know, Welch's fruit snacks, and he he starts eating them, and the Cardinals score a run. And it's like, oh my god, the fruit snacks work! And uh, and they 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 came back and they and they beat beat the Phillies in that game. They beat the Phillies in the series, and these fools were just devouring fruit snacks like they were like they had to eat them, or else the Cardinals wouldn't win. And they said they had thousands and thousands of calories of fruit snacks over that October, but it was worth every bite because, of course, the Cardinals ended up winning it all. So it's just a fun behind-the-scenes story, uh, kind of G-rated, but, uh, but it adds to the magic of that team. Now, it's funny because I haven't read the book yet, but uh, uh, I'm a Braves fan. Of course, no great comeback happens without an epic collapse. And so <laughs> I, I think of the Braves blowing that lead on the Cardinals uh, in September, and in particular, one game uh, where Craig Kimbrell, best closer in baseball at the time, blows a save at Bush Stadium when the Cardinals are still seven and a half back going into that game. And then that seemed to be the domino that started everything falling in both directions for those teams. Yeah, yeah. It was a storybook season for St. Louis and just a nightmarish finish for the Atlanta Braves. (laughs) You're right. That was was part of it. What a a crazy... And if you remember that night, right? Game Mm -hmm. 162 that night, there were three or four games uh, and we were all watching them in real time. I interviewed Greg Amzinger from the book from MLB Network who talked about that crazy night uh, in Major League Baseball history that people still talk about. Yeah, it's why on the last day of the season now, every game always starts at the same time. Because yeah. they're trying to, they try, they're ever since that night, it was so you know, colossal. You had the the Braves, Phillies, you had the Cardinals playing, and then there was that big game down in St. Pete uh, uh, where the Rays had the walk off win. Trying to recreate that, but I don't think there'll ever be a night quite like that night. Yeah, it was special. No question about it. No question about it. Hey, Benji, always appreciate the time. I'll look forward to catching up with you again soon. Best of luck on your new book, Eleven in Eleven. Give the website again. It's 11in11book.com. Thanks, Benji. Have a good day. Thanks, Ben. Take care. Take care, guys. Good to hear your voices. See you, man. You too. All right. Coming up after the break, there are reports NBA is going to expand to 32 teams. Which cities are going to get these two teams? And how will this affect the Nuggets? Because it will. That's next.